I thought I should complete the introduction of where I come from in JOS, and JOS is spelled J-O-S, that's the name we were born to know it as it's being called, and as we were growing up, we discovered that J-O-S stands for Jesus, our Savior, so you can never forget the name of that town, and my eyes say that if you have not been to JOS, you're missing a great deal. You better get to Joss before you get to heaven. <laughs> because Joss is a beautiful, naturally beautiful city. We're about 5,000 feet, in some places 4,000 feet above sea level. And it's cool all year round. But the real reason why I thought I should introduce Joss to you fully is that some Irishmen brought... Irish potatoes in the early 1920s and tried it in Joss. What he didn't know is what I'm going to tell you now. That the Irish potato, which we call Joss potato, is sweeter than Irish potato. And it has gone all over the world. From Joss, they take it to Lagos, to everywhere else, where the only people who grow Irish potato in Joss. So if you want to taste a sweeter potato than the one you have here, come to Joss and you will enjoy Joss potatoes. Let me continue to thank the brothers and sisters who are organizing New Horizon. We have been blessed. And it's only Tuesday and we're feeling like going home to go and share what we're learning, what we're seeing, and what we're hearing. And we're very encouraged to see people of God come in this number to remind ourselves again of the mission of God. And to hear testimonies of people in the fields, in Congo, being shot. Some have come back. And those who have given their lives to serve, not only abroad, but even on the country, we thank God and we rejoice that the work of God is continuing to grow amongst us. This evening we are looking at what Jesus says about love to enemies. And I'll read a portion of scripture in Matthew 5, from verse 43. Matthew 5 and verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? 
And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Let us pray. Lord, these words that you've given are true. They are spirit and life. And according to your promise that when we ask, we will receive. We now ask that your words be to us the living bread of life. That we may eat of it thereof and live tonight. May your word, O God of heaven, through your son Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, be true now. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, it is difficult to unlearn what you have learned and become accustomed to. In 1987, Gloria had just traveled for a day. Her uncle died and she had to leave with a six-month-old baby in her hand. And I had Hannah, who was then about two and a half years old. And we went out in the afternoon to buy foodstuff, and we came back home in the evening. It was my free day. But later that evening, some police officer came to me and said that he had been mandated to evacuate me from my house because my life is in danger. And I said to him, no, I've done nothing wrong. Why should my life be in danger? In, in a bright evening, why should it be in danger? We argued for a long time, and when he saw that I was unwilling to leave my house, he called a friend of mine, who is like a senior uncle in the fellowship, a member of our church, Dr. Beatrice Ghani, and he said to him, my life is in danger, and he would like to move me to his house. So when he said that, I said, yes, I could go to Beatrice Ghani's house, and I did. We went there. Later that night, the house was blown off, and the church was burnt down completely. And the following day, we were evacuated again from there, to another military security place where we now lived for the next four weeks under guard. And my daughter would say, two and a half year old girl, she said, Daddy, why do the Muslims want to kill you? And I said, I don't know. Actually, in that event, by the third day, more than a hundred churches were burnt in Zaria town. But the trouble was my little girl who will ask me, Daddy, what did you do that the Muslims will want to kill you? And I said to her, I don't know. And as far as she's concerned, if you offended her and you did anything wrong and she felt so angry enough as to insult you, she will look at you straight in the eye with a frowny face and say, you're a Muslim. That's the highest insult 
she can give. She grew up to learn that the Muslims, all they want to do is kill Christians. It didn't leave her mind. But every night and evening as we prayed, we prayed for the Muslims, we prayed for the persecuted church in Sudan, we prayed for everybody. She heard that. Then at 18, she felt called to read medicine. But she didn't get admission for medicine, so she was given pharmacy. She studied pharmacy, second year she left and went to do medicine. But this time, she had turned her life over to Jesus Christ. She had become so blustering little girl who loves the Lord, carrying her Bible, joined the youth fellowship, joined the Sunday school classes. She was jumping everywhere else and going everywhere for Jesus. She studied in the Ukraine. And she was well known in the IFES. She helped in outreaches and all what have you. She graduated and came back home. As soon as she qualified with a Nigerian license, her first port of mission call was in Niger amongst Muslims. And she served. And the Muslim people in the SIM hospital know Hanato Kwashi when she was living. They cried, she cried, her heart is for them. And I reminded her, I said, do you remember? I said, little girl, the only thing you knew how to insult was to call somebody a Muslim. She said, she would laugh. Her heart has been changed to love even those who would burn her church, her house, and chase her father to be killed. Friends, the love of God is revolutionary. It's not the high, I love you, you read on television or you say it carelessly. The love of God is so powerful, it transforms, it changes you completely to another man. The love of God. We've been hearing of that truth in the last three days now. The impact of it, when it hits your heart, you will lose your senses of who an enemy is because you will be invaded by love in your heart. You want to share it. When Jesus died on the cross, his two arms stretched out, carrying our sins and our burdens. There he said, it is finished. And when he died, he literally took all hatred into the grave. All our sins into the grave. All our bitterness into the grave. All our lies, name it, hatred. He took it into the grave. And when he rose on the third day and came out, he left all those unwanted commodities, all those contraband commodities, contraband of heaven. He left them into the grave. And he came out triumphantly 
bursting out with everything that looks love in him to the point that John could not describe him in another way. He simply said, God is love. My friends, so when you hate, you are actually walking back into the grave to take what Jesus has already deposited. It's, it's dustbin. It's useless. When you say you will not forgive, you are actually going back to the grave to where Satan is and you are taking what is contraband to heaven. You can never get, you can never take hate to heaven. You cannot. It's not acceptable. The custom officers at the gate of heaven won't let you in. It's contraband. You cannot take lies there. You, you cannot take sin there. You just cannot. And you know, if you cannot, and it belongs to the grave, why carry it around? If it is useless to God and useless to you, why carry it? And the disciples were going into this revolutionary school that never heard something like this because all they have heard all their lives is love your neighbor. Love those who love you. And we're looking at unconditional love that breaks all barrier. Unconditional love. There is no loving because. It is simply love is love. They were hearing for the first time, Jesus says to them, you have heard it said. That's how you've grown up. That's what you know. That's your environment. You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's what you've learned. That's what you know. When your child is going to pray, play across the fence, you say, no, 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 come back. Come back. Those people are dangerous people. And the child is hearing that. You create boundaries. You create conditions. And, and, and children who even know nothing and they just want to experiment or experience with the child on the other side. Say, no, 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 be careful. Don't go there. And they say, why? You're sometimes unable to say why, but they discover later on from the discussions in the family. You discuss your neighbors in a disgusting manner. You, 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 you just paint them any colors you choose to paint. And the children grow up learning that. And that's what they know. It wasn't uncommon. Even the Jews, they say, it hates your enemies. There. Don't love them. But Jesus says, But I say to you, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. The other trouble that we have is who is then your enemy? And 
And as I thought through this, and I believe I'll continue to think through it till I die because, you know, Peter says that our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom to devour. And Paul to the Corinthians, he says, the devil masquerades like an angel of light. And he comes in to deceive. And the Bible actually calls Satan the deceiver and that he is our enemy. Now friends, if Satan is the enemy and he has all these manners of expression to which he comes to us, how come we see some other human beings and call them enemies. How did we get to the point where we look at another human being and say he is an enemy? That's a tough question, but the way I explain it at home is that number one, like I said the other day, we must receive the love of Jesus Christ. And I plead with you as this week goes on, don't assume. Never you make an assumption of the love of God in your heart. Make it definite. Define the time. Define the moment when you say, I have decided to follow Jesus and I accept the love of Jesus into my life. Make that decision. Don't be deceived, my friends. You have to make that decision for yourself. Because the devil likes people who are living on assumption. But you must be definite because everyone who will follow Jesus, Jesus says, must deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. It is definite. There is no ambiguity about God throughout the scriptures. And so when you receive Jesus Christ, the earliest things that come upon you that you get to know is that the love of God, the forgiveness of God gives room for the love of God to flood into your heart and you begin to burst in an un inexplicable joy. Joy. All who have received Jesus have said the same thing. They experience forgiveness. They, they express themselves in joy. People don't know why they're happy. They experience forgiveness, love, floods their hearts and they express it in joy now my friends if jesus is in your heart and you are growing in grace daily reading his word and listening to the teaching of his word and fellowshipping with the brothers and sisters who love jesus and you continue to grow in grace and increase in faith when the devil comes visiting, what will he meet? He will encounter love in your heart and he will have no space. Yeah. 
When the devil comes visiting, the word of God is in your heart. He will have no space. When he comes to suggest, you will say like Jesus says, but the word of God says, and he will have no space to play around with you. But if you're not definite about Jesus, and people who are not definite about Jesus can fall any side. If you read Gloria's book, one of the reasons why I was pressing for her to say a yes, because I was madly in love with this girl, is because a friend had warned me many years ago. He said, if a girl does not say yes, she can say no anytime. And so I was now pressing Gloria, say yes, let me hear the yes, let me hear the yes. Friends, it's the same thing with following Jesus. If you do not say yes to Jesus, you can say yes to the devil anytime. And the revolution that Jesus is introducing to his followers is a revolution of decision to decide who to follow. And if you have not said yes to Jesus, the devil is comfortable with you. And whilst we may not see Satan coming out clearly, openly to recognize, he uses people who have not said yes to Jesus. He uses people who do not love Jesus. He uses people who are antagonistic to Jesus because the enemy is against Jesus and all who follow Jesus. He creates obstacles. He creates impediments. He creates all the difficulties so that the followers of Jesus might give up. That is the enemy. And people who have not said yet to Jesus, the enemy can use them. But thank you to Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus has won the victory. So we recognize that the real enemy is not the person who comes face to face. We know who the enemy is. 2006, I had come to UK to lead a mission with Soma. And... Later that evening, I was elected the international chair of sharing ministries abroad in Soma. And so I called Gloria. I said I wasn't coming the next day as I was due to have come. Um, taking the flight that night as I was due, I was going to come the following day. So I moved my flight to the following day. That night, that night, apparently those who wanted to kill me knew everything about my movement. They knew it all. So they knew when I should have arrived. They came. And about 1.30 a.m., I got a phone call from my daughter in the Ukraine. She said, she thinks mommy and the children are in danger. So I called my son, and he says, yes. That there's over 50 people surrounding our house with arms, with machetes, with sticks and guns. And I said, what is it? We kept on on phone until about 3.30 when I couldn't get the line anymore. Apparently, they had done despicable things 
to Gloria, thinking that I was in and was in hiding. And if they did all they did to her, when I hear her crying, I will show up. But alas, I was here. By 5.30 a.m., I was able to get through again to my son, who said he doesn't know whether mommy was alive, but she's blind and had broken legs and ribs, and she's in blood and was taken to the hospital. I got a flight and came, and I saw her. The police had cordoned off the house and that no one was going to go in, but I refused. I went in there, and I decided I was going to spend my first night there while she was in hospital. And at night, I cried to the Lord. I cried to the Lord. I said, Lord, Lord, all of this should have been me, but Gloria has taken it. Lord, Lord, have mercy. And I could hear the voice speak to my heart, asking me a couple of questions. The first one is, did you have phone calls? I said, yes, from friends all over the world, from Archbishop Rowan Williams at that time, Henry, from all over the world, people were calling. I could not handle my phone. The calls were coming per second. I gave it to my chaplain and said, record the names of all the calls. I'll call them back when it's all over. Emails. And the Lord said to me, do you know that on your account, Heaven's gates have been bombarded with prayers. Because when the brethren in Europe praying for you go to sleep at night, the ones on Australia wake up. When the brethren in Australia go to sleep, the ones in America wake up. And all they are doing 24-7 is praying for Ben. Ben, angels keep coming with your name, knocking at the door of heaven. And I started laughing. I said, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I love you. If this is how it is, increase the problem so that they'll be calling my name in heaven every day. <laughs> and I was healed. The assurance of the love of God being with me through suffering heals my mind. No bitterness. But even as they took Gloria from her house, she was bleeding, she couldn't see. Her leg was, some of her toes were broken. Her, she had fractured ribs and all that. And they took her naked, carrying a basket of water for them as they took her walking about three kilometers. A little boy by her side gave her a towel and says, Mama, pray for us. Mama, Mama, pray for us. even amongst them was someone who didn't like what they were doing, but they were helpless. Why? Because their hearts was open. 
and they've not let Jesus in, so the devil is praying around with the hearts of men and women in the world. And any heart right now that is not open to Jesus and has not accepted Jesus, you are capable of responding to the enemy, Satan. And so you create barriers between you and other humans and say, no, I hate, I hate my stepmom. I hate my brother. I hate my sister. Oh, they are our enemies. My cousin's family, they are our enemies. Excuse me. Jesus is the cure to all enmity. Hallelujah. Jesus is the cure. Let Jesus come in because he said, but I say to you, love your enemies. And they must have wondered, how can we do that? But at the resurrection and when he appeared again, he said, I will go and I'll send you the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the Holy Spirit. And Paul experiencing that in his letter to the Philippians in chapter 4 and verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The love of God is shed abroad into our hearts by which we bear witness and testify. And in Romans 8, Paul says that the Holy Spirit of God bears witness with our own spirits that we are children of God. So love your enemies. Those you consider to be enemies, love them. My friends, it's difficult walking in jaws. Ordinarily, by human standards, one would have left. But as we stayed on in jaws, we are seeing exciting things that God is doing. Exciting things that God is doing. Yes, the bombs are going on. Yes, the killings are going on. But yes, God is working. I walk with some of my Muslim friends. This is supposed to be all secret because they don't want it known. But I will say it here to encourage you. I have about 56 of their children in one of my schools and I pay their school fees. Two Christmas ago, they met as a community and they brought a gift of a cow for Christmas to me and one of my churches that I walk with near where they are. So I said to my pastor, I said, okay, now they've brought in a cow. We must out love. So when it was their fasting period of Salah, we had bags of rice with rams because they would slaughter ram. We got them a couple of rams. It has become a tradition now because this is the third year. At the wedding of my son, they were there in church a year ago. They were there with their hijab. They danced. I didn't know they could dance so well. They danced very well with everything. They were all there with the community leader, the Muslim community. They were all there. And the story has found. And I have told them, you're not my enemies. 
I know who the enemy is. And just as he's using ISIS or anybody else to kill the Christians, so will he even use Christians to kill Christians if they have not decided for Jesus. It's the same thing. Until a definite decision for Jesus is made, anybody is capable of doing the biddings of Satan. Anybody. Last week, a 13-year-old boy in Lagos, 13-year-old boy, supposed to be a Christian boy, killed another five-year-old boy, removed his heart and private parts because somebody had told him they are used for charms and they sell for 50,000 naira, less than 20 pounds. But that is how much that boy could kill a five-year-old boy to sell those parts to get 50 pounds. Friends, anyone who does not make a decision for Jesus is capable of doing the biddings of Satan. That's why Jesus said, but I say to you, Jesus is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. And when he says, I say to you, he's calling us to a revolutionary decision. A decision that will change lives, that will change environment, that will change the world. Today, I pray that not in our own power, but through the grace of God, as many as we are here now, we'll make a decision. And we'll no longer see people as enemies because we'll make decision to receive the love of Jesus into our hearts so that we'll be open to all including Judas who might kill us, but we still love them all the same. Three weeks ago, the Bishop of Yola phoned me to give me an update of the bombings in Yola in Northeast. And he was telling me how horrible it was. And I said, Brother Ibrahim, he said, Sir, I said, we will not be deterred from loving people. Our hearts are full of so much love, so much love. If God holds back the hand of our killers, we will love them. We will love their children. We will give them education. We will give them health. We will care for them. We will care for them and anybody because our hearts are full of love of Jesus and we are bursting forth looking for where to share it. We hate nobody. In fact... We have no room to hate because it is a contraband. It is useless. Hate is useless. It damages your own heart and condemns you to hell because it is a hell commodity. Why take it? Jesus has deposited it in hell, has deposited it with the devil. Leave it where it is. Embrace love and walk around with love, with freedom, with joy, with peace, loving everybody, serving everybody, regardless of who, and let them see the love of Jesus. As I watched BBC 2 on Thursday evening again, 
and I saw this white Irish man in his 80s back in the Congo speaking in Swahili and the crowds there and praying and hallelujahing and people, the love of God in this old man's heart. As I watched that on BBC, two tears running down my eyes. I said, Lord, give me such love until I die. Love for people, including those who shot him. That's the power of love. It changes you. And you know what? If you refuse to open your heart to the love of God, you're the one who is inhibited. You're the, ones, you're the one who's creating the conditions and the hurdles and the problems ahead of you. I give you my own testimony. I believed as a young teenager that my mother hated me. I believe that. And so when I went into the world, I did not even call my mom, not even my dad. I, 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 I created boundaries within my heart. And I didn't want to have anything to do with my family anymore. But when I received Jesus, I realized that I was the problem. My mom was not. My mom wanted me to love Jesus. My mom was praying for me. My mom wanted me to belong to the family of love of Jesus Christ. But I was rebelling. So I recognized it only when I had opened my heart to receive Jesus and I came back home. My mom was shocked. And she died, a happy woman, a few years back. So when you refuse to let the love of Jesus into your heart, you're creating boundaries, you're creating conditions. If my father doesn't buy me an iPhone, I don't love him. You see, you create conditions. If my mom doesn't give me her car, I'm not going to come back to that home. You create conditions. The love we're talking about is unconditional love of Jesus. It has no boundaries. Jesus' love is very wonderful. Jesus' love is very wonderful. Jesus' love is very wonderful. Oh, wonderful love is so high. Can't get over it. So we can get on. So why we can't get round it. Oh, no just singing. No just singing. It's real. It's real. And tonight I call you to experience that real love. And believe me, you will see no enemies in human beings. You will know who the enemy is. It's Satan. Close your eyes. And bow your heads and let us pray. Lord Jesus, we ask that you pour your love now into our hearts. 
And through the Holy Spirit, remove all those impediments that have been created by Satan or by us, by man. Remove them now, one by one. Let them collapse so that your love will freely flow into our hearts. And we pray that as many as you've chosen tonight to make this decision, I ask you, Lord, to confirm it with your spirit and give approval to every decision that's made tonight. And if you're opening your heart to the love of Jesus this evening, where you are, I'd like to just offer a prayer for you. And would you please indicate by raising up your hand where you are. If you're opening your heart for Jesus, just indicate by raising your hand and I'll pray for you now. Yes, please raise it straight. God bless you. I can see you. I can see you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Lord Jesus, the hands raised this day by this prayer in ways that only you can do, do it now as you did it for me many years ago and for several other people who have made these commitments. Establish it now by the confirmation of a release into their hearts and minds the presence of Jesus that from today on your stamp of approval will be upon their heads through the deposit of the Holy Spirit. Lord, answer our prayers and bring salvation to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, those of you who have raised your hands, please, would you immediately, when the service is over, when the gathering is over, would you meet with us at the prayer room um, just to help you on in this journey? that you may know the release of God and enjoy the love of God that you may follow in the steps of our Lord Jesus. Amen.